to go? Are we going to turn back from the going into the land? Or do we choose to cross the river? The question that we have to ask ourselves this morning, church, is this. Which generation are we? Which generation are we? I mean, let's face it. The issues that we're facing today as a disciple of Jesus, they're exactly the same kind of issues, the same kind of of problems and challenges and confrontations. And the fact of the matter is, there are lots of disciples of Jesus who do not possess what they have the right to possess. Let Let me illustrate it this way. Consider for a moment the expanse, the magnitude, the, 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 the gigantic proportions of the land that God was wanting to give, give His people. We read about it in the fourth verse. Your territory, God says, will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river that is the Euphrates, way off in the east, all the Hittite country, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Do you have any idea how much land that is? 300 square miles are promised. Now, how much of the land do you think was possessed? 30,000 square miles. The point is is that these people went into the land and they possessed it. They possessed something. But they did not possess all of it. Now, there's a sense in which Canaan, the land, the promised land, is, is, is sort of referential or, or, or metaphor, you know, symbolic of heaven. But in many ways, it's not. There are no fights in heaven. There are no battles in heaven. There are no defeats in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. In one way of thinking about Canaan, Canaan is actually symbolic of the Christian life that we live right now. It is symbolic of the victorious life or the defeated life of the people who profess faith in God. It is the life of the disciple, that is, a series of conflicts where we meet an enemy and defeat one right right after the other. And every time we turn the pages of the book of Joshua, we should ask ourselves one important question. Am I possessing what God has promised to give me? Am I living my life at that level? Am I faithfully taking what it is that God has promised and is offering to give me on a daily basis. Hear this from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3. Here's just an example of it from the New Testament for us. In this book, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. I wonder how many that is. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30? I don't know. But it's every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now here's the question. Based on that, do we as individual disciples of Jesus of Nazareth, do we have peace in our life? A peace that passes understanding. Do we have what Peter would refer to as this inexpressible joy, that we could be going through some very dark moments, find ourselves down in the depth of a valley. And yet, there's this inexpressible joy that begins to permeate our life and begins to mark us as people who belong to God and who have enjoyed the blessings, the promises that He is giving to us. How about freedom from guilt? 
There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. How are we doing with that? Or how about confidence? Knowing that God's Spirit testifies to our spirit that we are His children and therefore heirs with Christ of all of the inheritance. And strength. You go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is strengthen us somehow in the inner person. Are we living according to those promises? Are we living at that level? The sad fact is that many disciples do not have these blessings. And you know what the reason is? A lot of the time, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, it's sin. There's some kind of sin that we've not dealt with. But you know, just kind of in a general way of speaking, the issue is, is that we think that we're going to drift into these blessings somehow. That we just sort of drift into it. The witness of the Bible is that these things come to you, but they are offered to be taken. The, the, the peace that God offers is a peace that is to be taken. The inexpressible joy is a joy that is to be taken. That's why Paul closes the book of Ephesians this way. At the very beginning of the book, he says, you know what? You've been given everything. You've been given every spiritual blessing that you need in Christ. And then he closes the book this way. But be strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in His mighty power. Why? Because you need to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, do this. Put on, the heavenly, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Paul says at the beginning of Ephesians, you know what, you've been given everything. At the end of Ephesians, he says, you know what, it's a fight. It's a fight and you've got to get involved in the fight in order to receive these blessings. That's what Israel had a hard time learning to, to understand and to do that there was a sense in which they had to fight to get to the rest. The evil one fought the sons of Israel every step of the way. And everyone, all of us, all of us as disciples of Jesus will have to do the same thing every step of the way to the face of God. And you know why? Blessings and demons are in the same place. I mean, blessings and demons are in the same place. That's that's where that fight is taking place. And what we have to decide is whether or not we're going to let Satan set the standard for our life in Christ. Therefore, when God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, they're not just empty words. I mean, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, there were still giants in the land. Nobody had sent word ahead saying, well, guess what, you know, the people of God are coming again. Giants, you may want to get out. The giants didn't say, you know what, they're coming. I, you know, let's leave. Let's pack our bags and leave. No, they get to the edge of that water and they've got to cross it into a land where there are still giants. So how do we, as they had to learn, become strong and courageous? There are three times that, that uh, in the middle of chapter 1 where God says this to Joshua and they give us insight into how to do this. The first is, you know how you be strong and courageous? You trust the promises of God. You trust every promise of God. Look at verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give. 
I mean, you know how this works, right? There's, there's a day in your week where somebody comes up to you and he says, you know what? I promise to do such and such. And I promise to get it done by this day. And you say, you know what? That sounds pretty good to me. Let's shake hands and we're off. And the reason that it sounds pretty good to you is because you know the character of that individual, his promises, his word, her word, whatever it might be, whoever they might be. It's a good word. It's a promise. And you know the character of that individual. And then the next day somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I promise to do such and such and to get it done by such and such day. And you go, that sounds really good to me. But in your heart, you're saying, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I have my doubts. Why? Because of the character of that individual. All of the promises that we find throughout the Bible that are, are spoken by God are always couched in God's character. And one of the things that, that, that divides great people of faith from people that always struggle in their faith is the understanding that God's character is always a part of the promises that He gives us. That God's integrity is on the line. And Joshua knows this. Joshua had seen the water in the desert. He had seen the manna in the desert. He had seen the, the leadership of God at night and during the day with the cloud and the fire. He had seen the protection that God had given the people of Israel, not just during the initial trip to the promised land, but in the 38 years that followed. And he knew that God's Word could be trusted. He knew that God's integrity was on the line. And because that was true, he knew that God's promises were as good as gold. And that's why a working definition of faith, you know, we always, we're always looking for a way to define faith. A working definition of faith for Joshua is this. Faith is trusting God even when we don't have an explanation. Even when we don't have an explanation, sometimes we struggle with, with uh, what it is that, that we're supposed to do with our money. And we come across these words in the Bible where God says, you know what, I want to I give you everything that you're going to need. Take care of your food. I'm going to take care of your clothing, your house, what you're going to drink, all of these. I'm going to take care of everything. You're not going to have a need. But I also want you, as a sign of faith, to be able to give a portion of that back to me. And sometimes, and, and sometimes we, we do that in really incredibly faithful ways. But every once in a while we get to that point where we go, you know what? God is promising to take care of all of these things, but He's also asking of me as a sign of faith to be very sacrificial in my giving. I really, Before I do that, I need to know some things. I need to know how I'm going to eat. I need to know how I'm going to have something to drink. I need to know how I'm going to clothe myself and clothe my kids. I need an explanation as to where I'm going to live before I do this. Faith is trusting God because God's promises are couched in His character and His char because it's couched in His character, His integrity is on the line. And disciples do not walk by explanations. They walk by faith in the promises of God. You know, one of the things that, that we read at the end, we're in the first chapter of Joshua this morning, Go to Joshua chapter 21 towards the end. Look at verse 45. This is a summary statement of all of the battles, all of the, 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 the dividing up of the land, all of the things that have happened. Verse 45, not one of all the Lord's good, what? Not one of all the Lord's good, what, church? Promises to Israel failed. Not one. Every one was fulfilled. 
We have to learn to trust the promises of God. Number two, we have to know the Word of God. We have to know the Word of God. Look at verses 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything. To do everything. To do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, possessing is a very important thing here. You know, uh, we could probably go into every one of our houses here and there would be maybe some books. Uh, they may maybe some DVDs or something like that. Say, have you ever watched that movie? Have you ever read that book? And you have it on your, on your library uh, shelf, your bookshelf. And you go, you know, I've had that book for a long time, but I've, I've never really read it. You know, there's a difference between possessing something, that is you own it like a book on a shelf, and possessing it because you've read it. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, there's this really interesting thing. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, God is going to, you know, has told Moses, hey, Moses, uh, the, the, your days are coming to an end. The, the end. the day of your death is near. And it's time for us to, to commission Joshua. And they call him together. And you know what? God, God speaks to Joshua the same way that he speaks to Moses. There's this direct revelation that, that, that goes to Joshua. He commissions Joshua and tells him to be strong and courageous and all of these kinds of things. So he's got this direct revelation from God, the way he was he's with Joshua, the way that he was with Moses. And then you get to the first chapter of Joshua, and he is speaking to Joshua again. But this time he says, You know what? You also need to meditate. You need to press your mind into the word. You need to press your mind into the Word and meditate on it so that you're careful, careful to do everything that's written in it and never deter one way or the other from it, but to make sure that it is the guidance, that it is the path that you take, that it illuminates your every day of every life. You know, there's a story that's told about a, about a cab driver in San Antonio. A guy gets in from the airport, jumps inside of the cab with the cab driver, driving along, cab driver starts using the Lord's name in vain. And uh, the guy in the back seat goes, you know what, the Bible says you shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. And the cab driver says, hey, don't tell me about the Bible. I know the Bible by heart. The guy in the back seat says, you know, you, don't re- you know it by memory, but you don't know it by heart. In the house I grew up in, uh, there, was, there was a little piece of wood about yay long. It was about, I don't know, about half an inch thick. And it hung up on the wall. And on, the, uh, on the, the, the front of it, there was a picture of two little kids. It's, it's the kind of thing that you would buy at a Stuckey's. A, you know, and, and just a, this picture dates me and, as well as some of you. I had two little kids that were, were bent over a, a rain barrel. A rain barrel. Who does that? You know? And on, this, on this, uh, this, this board, it was actually a paddle. It said, never spank a child in the face. Nature provides a better place. <laughs> I'm not exactly Shakespeare, but the point was made. And so when my mother was there in the kitchen, you know, my brothers and I, we were like, you know, we were, we were little terrors. We were like comic book villains. And I mean, you, you know, the house was not made to look nice. The house was to look lived in. That was our motto. 
And we would just, like little Tasmanian devils, I mean, you know, through the house, through the kitchen. And mom would, you know, and we'd, we'd straighten up, you know. But then there were times when mom wasn't there. And the temptation was, you know, mom's not here. Mom can't see. Dad's at work. You know, unless we break something or somebody, nobody's going to know. And then we'd just start, you know, we'd start maybe roughhousing and, you know, doing what we do, and, and then all of a sudden we'd look up and we'd see the Word. Never spank a child in the face. Nature provides a better place. And we meditated on it. <laughs> and we decided that there were some risks involved not living by faith that even though mom and dad were not there, they would know. Somehow they would know. And, you know, one of, one of the things that, 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 that disturbs me from time to time is, is, is how little we really know of God's Word. We're really supposed to be a people of the Word. We know the Word. The Word dwells in our hearts and in our minds. Many of us have multiple copies of the Bibles in our library, but how many days during the week do we go without even opening it? You know, here's a challenge. You know, you want, you want to grow in your faith. You want to grow in your understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. You know what you need to do? I, just take five minutes. Five minutes. Don't, don't worry about chapters, uh, how many chapters, how many books you go through. Take five minutes a day and read slowly for five minutes. One of the things that I love about uh, uh, John Skipworth and Daryl Hutchinson and their relationship with each other is uh, they, 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 they hold each other accountable when it comes to this reading of God's Word. And they read a chapter of Proverbs every day and they text this, this word out to a bunch of different people. But you, you know what it is that, that is so impressive is, is you see them living with the wisdom that's found in Proverbs. You have to know God's Word. And you have to trust in His promises. And one last thing, you rely on the presence of, uh, the presence of God. In verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with whom? You, wherever you go. You know, that's the same promise that all of us as believers, as disciples, as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, this is a promise that is made to each of us. Those words that are found in Joshua chapter 1 are actually found in Hebrews chapter 13. Here are a group of people that that writer is writing to that are struggling with, you know, my days are not really good right now. I don't really have a lot of peace. I, don't, I have a lot of anxiety. What am I supposed to do with the Christ? Because it's the Christ that's creating the problems for me with everybody else in the community, with everybody else in my culture. And that writer spends the entire book talking about the greatness of Christ and how He exceeds all expectations and supersedes everybody else that ever tried to do anything close to what He did that went before Him. And not only that, there, there's this long gray line of, of, of people, soldiers of Christ, who have, have been in the arenas and have, have been in places where they had to struggle with, with the same kind of silence at times and the same kind of valleys, that same kind of darkness. And yet they did it because they understood what was at stake. The city of God, the presence of God, the relationship with God, the love of God, the blessings of God, the salvation of God, the forgiveness of God. And then he ends this book by saying, He 
will never forsake you. He will never, ever leave you or me or anyone else, this child. And you know why? Because of a later Joshua. Name Joshua, as you learned this morning, means God saves. God saves. And a little over, you know, 12, 13 centuries later, there's another Joshua. His name is Yesu or Yeshua in the first century. And he, he grows up and he is, not, he, is, he is not fearful, but he is strong and he is courageous. And he goes to the cross and he experiences the forsakenness of God so that we never have to. And that we go throughout all of the days of our life, wherever we go, in the presence of God, being given that peace and that joy and that freedom from anxiety and guilt and given the confidence and the strength and the forgiveness and all of those other things that are talked about in the New Testament because His promises are true. They're couched in God's character. And the Word says it to be true. And every day He is with us. Those three things keep you strong and courageous. Ben's going to lead us in a song right now. And maybe in some way our church can minister to you by helping you to be strong and courageous as a disciple of Jesus. Or maybe if you want to become that disciple, to, to, to get every promise that we read of in the Word that is made to disciples of Jesus to become true in your own life, to be forgiven. To have that Spirit inside of you helping you with all of the transformation and, and the, the, the radical change that happens in your life every day. To experience that joy, that peace, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how deep that valley is. By being baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Of, of participating in that act. And if that describes you this morning, some of our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. Come down and...